0: I missed you guys last weekend. Our family was on vacation. We went to the beach. It was our, this year's our, I shared a little while back, some of you may remember, but this year is our 25, uh, 25th anniversary, wedding anniversary, and so, amen. <clears throat> and uh, so we figured we could go on a cruise or something like that, year 26 or 28 or 33 or something like that, but it just seemed like there was a window with the kids where we could enjoy some time, and so, Uh, Never really had a beach trip where they were all kind of old enough to really enjoy it. And so we just had a blast. Uh, Went to a great church last weekend. Isn't it great to visit other churches and see God working in other places? But uh, we missed you guys. Thank God for Pastor Matty, man. What an amazing message about God's Spirit. We are blessed, church family. Do you know that? We are blessed. We have four pastors who God has gifted to share His Word. And by the way, we got another one on the way. And I get the feeling he's raring to go too. Praise God, amen. Hey, listen, no. No, no, I'm not going to let you off of that. No, that wasn't. Hey, great job, Pastor Matt. That's good to know. That's good to know. No, it was God. What do you have for me? Amen? Listen, it's it's not... It, God gave us His Word to read, to understand, so that it could be lived, right? God gave us His Word, so praise God, He's given us a church that is desiring to be faithful, that is desiring to preach and teach His Word, and if we are, if we are being effective and getting it out, boy, we ought to really see God working in this place, Amen? So what I would say is we'll see. We'll see how blessed we are. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just trying to challenge us. Amen? We're not here to sit and soak. We're here to receive and then get at it. Let's go. If God spoke to you clearly last weekend, then you should have really had a great week walking with Him. Amen? God's working in my heart. I don't know about you. Amen? God is stirring about this series. God is using to make me more sensitive to Him. Listen, I didn't say that I would be a better Christian. I didn't say that I would be doing more right with my life. And I and I know there's maybe some truth to that, but a lot of a lot of churches really focus on doing. We really just need to let God speak to us and then just receive what He says and step into it by faith. Amen. And so I want to ask you, if God really is speaking, what is happening in your life as a result of that? Are you receiving His direction more clearly? Because you heard a message from Him last weekend. Amen? And as one of those pastors who share these messages, I have to share with you that I honestly have a little bit of a concern about this series. On one hand, I do believe that God is using us as your pastors to speak to us. That God is opening some things to us. That for many of us, He's reminding us of things we've heard before, but we've never heard them in this part of our lives. Amen? For many of us, for all of us, I hope He's teaching us new things. And so I thank God for that. I believe that's what's happening. But on the other hand, I honestly have been very keenly aware that there is so much more to the Spirit of God and to His ministry in and through our lives than we could ever get to. Amen? And and, and I share this with you often. I, I know I say this all the time. I was just praying about this past week, well, as we were away in this past week, as I was getting my heart ready for this weekend. This is the most important series ever. Amen? And for those of you that are new, I say that every time. Isn't God's Word so good? But I'm telling you, right in the middle of it, I just feel like there's something here. And I'm not trying to be too elusive or too mystical about it, but I also think we don't need to be afraid that maybe God has more for us than we can right now get our hearts around. Amen? And as I was thinking about that, when I just got back from the beach, I, I almost feel like this, op- this ocean image applies to what I'm talking about. As we were sitting there on the beach and as we were just kind of enjoying God's beautiful creation, I just noticed, I was sitting there watching and just enjoying it and watching them, and I was just noticing that most of the people were there just kind of close to the edge, You know, just kind of splashing around, just kind of up to their waist. But I noticed that there was a few people out further. The day that I was watching, there happened to be a few people out on kayaks. And I almost felt like, I almost thought as we're walking through this series, I hope that we as your pastors are almost like the kayakers. They're saying, hey, hey, up there on the beach, there's more out here, amen? Amen. And listen, I, 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 that's not trying to give the wrong image. It's not like we're more mature or stronger in the Lord. But I'm just saying, hopefully there's something about our lives, the calling, the role that God's given to us, that we're calling people out. Amen? And we're saying, hey, we're, we're hearing some things from the Lord. Come on, let's go. And I almost feel like those kayakers, I almost feel like our pastors are those kayakers that say, hey, guys, we're just splashing around the edges. There's so much more. But the kayakers don't even realize they don't know what they're talking about. There have been books written about the wild sea. There have been movies, right? There are legends about what is out there. There is so much more. Yes, those kayakers are out there calling us to experience more, but they don't even have a clue. So, Mr. Kayak Guy, you don't even know what you're talking about. Insert what? Mr. Pastor Guy. So would you pray for all of us? Are you with me? This is no accident. We're not just having a little Bible study. We're not just opening up the Bible and learning some, some interesting things. Some tidbits that might help our lives. God is wanting to work in our lives. Would you pray that God will show us as your pastors what we need to communicate, and that we will receive it and experience all that he has in mind. Did you know the Bible says that God wants to do unbelievably beyond, immeasurably beyond what we could ask or think or I can ask a lot. Amen? I can think a lot. I got a lot on my mind. God's word says God wants to do more than any of us in our wildest imagination could dream. today, We're turning to Romans chapter 8. The reason we're doing that is because really this passage has been mentioned. If you've been paying attention, if you've been taking notes, this passage has been mentioned several times already in this series so far. And the reason I want to talk about it with us this weekend, the reason I believe God has put it on my heart to share it with you, is because first of all, it is one of the most important passages in the whole Bible. And I want to point that out for you because you may not be aware of that. There have been some great heroes of the faith who have said if they just had on a deserted island one portion of the Bible, they would pick Romans chapter 8. Whoa! Amen? Hey! Hey! There might be something good this weekend. Amen? We're also talking about it because it is one of the most important passages in God's Word about who the Holy Spirit is, and how He works in our lives. We've talked about it. John, now listen, are you paying attention? Are you taking notes? We're, we're giving you some of the critical passages in the Bible. And by the way, you don't have to leave it after the weekend. You can go back and dig into these things and study these passages. John chapter 14 through John chapter 17. I preached on a couple of weeks ago. One of the most important passages in the Bible. Last weekend, Pastor Matt talked about Galatians chapter 5, one of the most Important passages in the Bible in understanding the ministry of God's Spirit. We're going to be talking about later in this series, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. One of the most important passages in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about Ephesians chapter 5. And today we're talking about Romans chapter 8. One of the most important passages in the whole Bible to understand the ministry of God's Holy Spirit. In fact, there are at least 18 to 20 references in Romans chapter 8 about God's Holy Spirit. And that makes it even more amazing when you realize that he only mentioned the Holy Spirit about five times in Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 7. Hey, amen? Hey. Hey, God's trying to tell us something in this passage about the role of His Spirit. There's an explosion of emphasis in this passage about what God wants to do. And the thing that I want to focus on is the word growth. We said at the beginning of the series, the name of the series, the theme for the series is more. Jesus said that He wanted to do so much more in our lives. Aren't you glad for that? Even if you don't know what it means, aren't you glad for that? I need some more in my life, amen? I need some more of God's work in my life. Jesus said we would see greater things once His Spirit came. And so we're just really exploring what does that mean. What does it mean that Jesus said we would experience more of God in our lives? And one of the things that He teaches us in His Word is that we will experience, if we receive the ministry of His Spirit in our lives, that we will experience much more growth. That's what we're talking about this weekend, more growth in our lives. In fact, this is the first of really a three-part message. We're going to talk about this for the next few weeks after the World Missions Conference because God wants to grow us more through the ministry of his Spirit. And I hope you're here right now saying, praise God because I need it. Amen. Let's read Romans chapter 8 verses 10 through 17. It says, if Christ is in you, Who's that talking about? The Holy Spirit, right? If Christ is in you, and he is if you're a believer, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit, now I want you to notice in these verses, the word Spirit, and most of these references are to the Holy Spirit. It talks about our Spirit in a couple of these references, but most of these references are to the Holy Spirit. But I also want you to notice in these verses an emphasis on life. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, this is where I tell you guys often, we should have like a thunder, um, what do you call it? What do you call it? Uh, sound effect when I read this verse, okay? But if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh, not to our sin nature, to live, not to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these, those are the ones that are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption, as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with him as we begin Romans chapter 8 we we started reading those verses at verse 10 but you can go back to Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 9 and you can read those verses and you can see that there begins to be in this chapter a huge emphasis on the Holy Spirit the Bible's telling us in Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 7 we used to live on our own we used to do things our our way we used to try in our own efforts to find our way to God, and really, that got us in a world of mess. Amen, anybody? This is what happens when you try to do it on your own. But now, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit of God, you have a relationship with God, and the Spirit of God is living in your life, and that Spirit His Spirit is going to make your life better. He's going to give you more of an experience of God. He's going to give you growth. You're going to grow in your relationship with God. And one of the things that we will experience, the Spirit brings life to us. Write that down. The Spirit of God brings life. Did you you notice that as we were reading verses 10 through 13? Several times in that passage, it emphasizes the word life or life alive we live in such a culture of death such a world of death so much tragedy amen so much hurt so much pain so much meanness so many goodbyes so much hurt even this week we heard about locally a killing in our community but last week, I was sitting on a balcony at the beach. I was sitting there listening to the birds, spending some time with the Lord. And I had this thought, and I, and I, and I, and I posted it on, on social media. The thought that I wrote is this. We were made for a place called heaven. So far beyond what we settle for in this life that we will one day marvel at how little we accepted when God offered us so much. I was just sitting there. Spending some time with the Lord in this beautiful place, listening to the birds sing, seeing the the the, the 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 grass and the leaves be about a month ahead of ours. Amen. We caught up since I've been back. We caught up. Praise God. But just seeing all that around, and I think what I had in mind at that moment was life. God has offered to us life. And I almost had that image of in the in the Chronicles of Narnia where winter is ending. Do you remember that part? If you've ever watched that movie where winter is ending and it's like this, there's like this explosion of life that's happening in Narnia. It's almost like creation is teeming with life. It's overflowing with goodness and with blessing and life. And isn't that a picture really wasn't C.S. Lewis really capturing what God described in Genesis? God created a place of fullness. God created a place of blessing, a place of life. And I think we sense that, don't we? We were made for more than whatever this is. Amen. Not to be complaining. Let's be careful. Let's don't be those Christians that always have a sour look on our face. They look like we just sucked on a lemon and just kind of got, you know. There are Christians like that. Now, there is a sense, though, in which even though we don't have bad attitudes, we're not overly critical. We're not going around telling anybody how wrong the world is. But there is a sense in which we should not feel comfortable here. All this death stuff. All this crying. All these goodbyes. That should not feel right. I often tell people at funerals. It is okay to not like this moment. We were not made for this. We were not supposed to experience this. God did not design us to experience death. He created us to experience life. And look at what these verses say. It's a theme that runs throughout these verses. We were made for life, and the Spirit of God is the one who ministers much of that life in our lives. I referred to verses 1 through 9 that come before this. They are kind of a transition from chapters 1-7 through about how much we need God and how little we can do to affect that or to get to Him on our own. In fact, it's not only that we can't get to God, we are in real big-time trouble and we cannot get to God by ourselves. We cannot accomplish God's purposes. Romans chapter 1, the first part of Romans, in many ways, is not a very pretty picture. But in Christ... We have been set free. We've been given freedom. And we've been given life. In other words, we we were required to be good people, but we couldn't. So Jesus did that for us. And now we're free from, from trying to find that. And from, if we have understood that, trying to accomplish that on our own. And instead of worrying about death and judgment, being concerned and struggling, we can experience life and freedom the ministry of God's Spirit. Listen to what one Bible teacher said. Paul, now listen, Paul did not teach that men and women empowered by the Spirit were now able to keep the law and to do all the right things that God designed for them to do. Do you hear me? We're not saying that the Spirit now makes you able to make God happy because now you can do really good things. This writer said this would still be justification, or being made right with God by works. Rather, what's being said is that God's requirements in the law were fulfilled by Jesus, completely fulfilled. Did he not say it is finished? And that now by his Spirit in us, God sees us as having already fulfilled that law and having done all the right things too. Would you let that soak in? When God looks at me, when God looks at you, he sees his perfect son. There is nothing else that I have to do to have a relationship with God and to please him. In that sense, amen? I am accepted, I am forgiven, I am free, I have life. So now I'm not free, I'm not bound to try to get it right. Now I'm free To want to live right out of love, right? Out of freedom. And a desire to show others and to experience for myself the life that he has freed me up to experience. Listen to the statement. You do not have to live a perfect life to experience what God has for you. You only need to respond to and to receive his Holy Spirit. Some of you are trying really hard to please God. Guess what? You can't. We do not have the ability to please God on our own or in our efforts. But the Bible says in Christ, we have already pleased the Father. If we receive the ministry of His Spirit and we respond to the ministry of that Spirit, we have already been put in a position to receive what God has for us. And that's where we picked up in our focus in verse 10. It says, if Christ is in you, your body might be dead. Amen to that, anybody? Dead and dying. But your spirit is alive. Will you receive that by faith even if you don't feel it? God's word says, my body is decaying, but my inner man is being renewed day by day. In verse 11, but if the spirit who raised Jesus is in you, enough said. We don't have to say anything else, right? If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, dot, 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 I wonder what, amen? A bunch of good stuff. A lot of power. A lot of life. So then, verses 12 through 13 say, we are not bound to live our own way. That brings death. But we are free to live. If we will let the Spirit into our lives, and if we will let His Spirit work freely in our lives. Listen to this statement. If you have the Spirit of God, and are allowing Him to work in your life, you will experience life. If you have the Spirit of God, do you? And if you are allowing Him to work in your life, are you? The Bible says you will experience He is the Spirit of life, and He will bring life to you. Have you experienced the overflowing life that is possible through the Spirit of God? First of all, He offers us eternal life. The Bible says before we give our lives to God, we are dead. Did you know that? A lot of people get confused about this, but think about this for just a second. Before you give your life to Christ, you are physically alive, but your spirit is dead. That's what the Bible says. Amen. Your spirit is dead. And we need for the living God to come give us a new birth. That's why the Bible says. I know there's a lot of obnoxious people in the world who call themselves born-again Christian and who give that a bad rap, but the Bible says we must be born again. And this is what it's talking about. It's saying, I've been born physically, but I have not yet before Christ... I've not been born spiritually. But when I received Christ, wow, amen, wow. You think about that for just a minute. I was living my life on my own, dead in my trespasses and sin, going towards judgment with God. And the Bible says that Christ comes into me and gives me life. He gives me eternal life. He gives me life that lasts forever. Isn't that incredible? Have you ever experienced eternal life? Have you ever received that offer? Don't make it too complicated. Don't make it, I got to take communion. I got to get baptized. I got to give some money. I got to serve the church. I got to do penance. I got to walk on my knees for miles and show God I'm sorry. Don't make it all that. The Bible says it is by faith in what Christ did for you on the cross. He finished all the requirements. That you and I seek, sense in our heart, I need to do something about my wrongdoing. God finished all of that. And if we will receive his offer, you, the Bible says, will become a child of God at that moment. And you will have life in you that will never go away. Good night. How could we be such docile people? Amen. We are amazingly boring to have such excitement in us, Amen. What is wrong with us, Amen? I, and I, I say that in a, in a funny way. About I hope you, I hope God's beginning to speak to your heart. There should be a little more life in us if Christ is really in us. Many times when I'm talking with someone who's getting ready to leave this life and physically to die. And they're a believer. I talked to them, can you imagine what eternal life is like? I mean, we already have it. So there again, we should be more stirred up. But we will not fully experience our eternal life until we die one day. And can you imagine what it's going to be like? I'm not in a hurry to get it going. But if I was standing at the edge of it, I hope you'll encourage me, Pastor Robbie. Do you realize you're about to live like you've never lived before? Do you realize no more pain, no more people problems, no more checkbook problems, no more weather issues, no more our politicians are nuts, no more what is this world coming to, no more how's my job going to end up. Can you imagine? Can you imagine everything that right now you can hardly listen to the message because your stomach is in such knots? Can you imagine the release? Can you imagine? The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't think God sends angels to come for us. I think God himself comes and escorts us through that into our eternal life. Can you imagine? Wow, can you imagine meeting God And being released. That's life. Amen. God wants to give you that kind of life. But he also wants to give us daily life. Not just eternal life. But daily life. Life for living today. Yes, it's great that that I'm going to heaven. It's great that I'm going to die one day. And I'm going to experience release from all this mess. And I'm going to be forever and ever in heaven with God And in this wonderful place, and no more, all this is going to be over. That is wonderful, but you don't have to wait until then. Yes, you will never truly, ultimately be dead again if you have eternal life. But you can still, listen, even though you have eternal life, you can still experience large measures of hurt and pain and difficulty and death. In this life. Isn't that true? There's lots of reasons for that. But the Bible says God, by His Spirit, wants us to experience more and more life. In fact, as we read these verses, it's almost like that God is the opposite. God is, I almost want to say, opposed to death and to dying, right? God's, God's the opposite of darkness and death. And hurt and pain and dying. And by the way, if he lives in us, we should be uncomfortable with it too. Friends, if the Spirit of God is in you, there ought to be some things about this world that really unsettle you. Abortion. How can we, really, honestly, just as a human being, Robbie, selfish. I can, I can overlook lots of tragedies, right? But the Spirit of God says to me, Robbie, what are y'all doing about that? And by the way, if you are here and you've had an abortion, there's a separation between looking at the wrong of abortion and helping a person who's made that decision to recover and heal from that and find God's forgiveness. And it is available to all of us. Amen? Amen. We've all done wrong. Very wrong. Why does, I don't understand it. I'm not trying to be holier than thou because I struggle too. But I don't understand why Christians are so comfortable with talking about other people. Did you hear me? Why are we okay with that? That's death language. That's darkness language. That's division. That's, that's problems. That's stirring. Up. Why are we okay with gossip? Why are we okay with that? Why do we? Why do we sanctify that as? Well, I'm really walking with God in lots of other areas, so I'd like to really feed my flesh and just be able to talk about somebody every once in a while. Why is that okay? That's death language. That is not. That's not what the Spirit of God would be doing in you. If the Spirit of God is living in you, you ought to be uncomfortable in those situations where people are talking about someone who's not there in an inappropriate way. You ought to be uncomfortable. The Spirit of God is saying, I don't know if I should be here. I don't know if I should be here. Should I say something? How do I represent God's truth and love here? Amen? I'm not saying exactly how that should happen, whether you should get up or whether you should say something. We have to pray about that. We have to ask the Spirit what's appropriate, right? But if the Spirit of God is living in me, I have life. I don't have death working in me. I have life working in me. I should be uncomfortable with abuse. Anything, sharp words. I should be uncomfortable. What does Toby Max sing? Speak life, right? Speak life. I want us to think about the positive aspect. What are some things that should show up more and more in our lives at the Spirit of Life? We should be more optimistic. We should be positive people. And don't get me wrong. Listen, this is not coming to church and now we're learning how to be goody goodies, okay? And now we're learning how to fake and just to put on a smile. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there ought to be more of a trajectory of our life that if God is really in my heart, if he's really working life, I should be more positive than often I am. We should have joy. If the Spirit of God is in control, I I would have better perspective. And even though there might be a tough situation, I would have more joy because I realize a bigger picture. If the Spirit of God was leading, we, we would have gratefulness. You read the Bible, we're going to talk about this in Ephesians 5. But if you read the Bible, one of the, and I tell you, this is one of the biggest blessings for me as your pastor, that you guys are church family. I tell people all over, my family, friends, other pastors, the greatest compliment I can give you guys. The one word that I use to describe you guys is grateful. Amen. That is something. Now, don't be proud of it. And then we just lost it, Amen. Be humbled by that. You should be saying, I hope so. Amen? Amen. I hope so. I hope we're a grateful people. There's something very, listen, spiritual about a grateful people. It's evidence that the Spirit of God is working in you and that you're responding to Him. We should have vision. We should have hope. Shannon's dad a few years ago started this. He's always been great at helping us as a family Sort of look to the future, sort of have a bigger perspective, keep our focus on the Lord. But he started saying this statement, and I've started saying it a little bit as well with our kids as we get together. He started using the statement, the best is yet to come. Amen. That sounds like something God would say. Amen? That, that's what I hear when I hear him say, the best is yet to come. I'm thinking, no, it stinks right now because we got this, this, and this going. Amen? Anybody else with me? He's saying, the best is yet to come. Let's just pray. And I'm like, no, really, it's really like this is bad, this is bad, this is Just Robbie's thinking that, but the Spirit of God says to me, he's right. He's right. You should have vision. You should have hope. You should have some things to look forward to because the Bible says that. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Just to paraphrase, plans for good things, not for bad things, to give you a future and a hope. No matter what is going on in your life right now, you have hope. And you should have a great vision. Listen, yes, we all have tough days. Don't leave here saying, oh, I guess I knew hope. you got to be like, you know, flowers and cotton candy and pom-poms. And, you know, don't let Pastor Robbie see you in a bad mood. Because, man, he's going to think you're unspiritual, right? That's not what we're saying. We all have bad days. Amen. Maybe some of us aren't quite as perky as others. Maybe that's not your personality. But listen to me, friends. If you are a very negative person, or if you tend to focus only on or primarily on the problems in this world, you need to ask yourself, are you being led by the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God is not constantly pointing out the negatives and the hardships. The Spirit of God is looking forward to the future and the hope and the joy that we have in Him. So it's clear from Romans 8, the Spirit of God brings more growth to our lives. And one of the things that He brings is more life. But another thing in verse 14, the Spirit of God provides accountability for us. He grows us. We've talked about before how important accountability is to our growth. It is essential. Do we have other people, including God? In our lives, in order for us to go. Look at what it says in verse 14. It says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these, these ones, all who are being led by the Spirit of God, those, those are children of God. This verse talks about the accountability that God's Spirit provides for all. What do I mean by that? Well, we normally, when we think about what is evidence that we are believers, We primarily talk about something we're going to talk about next time. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is in you, then you should be exhibiting some fruit that the Spirit of God brings out of people. But someone said that this, what this verse is talking about, is often not considered. Listen, they said this. No evidence of us being children of God exceeds Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Let me say it again. Of all the evidence that we are children of God, this person at least said, none exceeds what is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Now, is that a little too strong? Maybe, but the point is well taken. What do I mean? Of all the evidence that you are a child of God, one of the biggest evidences is that you are daily allowing him to lead your life. So listen to this. You following God does not earn your salvation. Let's be clear about that. You following God does not earn your salvation. But you following God does show evidence that you are saved. Do you understand the distinction? So if you're not following God with your life, if you're not looking to His Spirit for guidance and letting him lead your life, you need to ask yourself some serious questions. Am I really born again? If I'm not daily allowing God to lead my life, am I truly born again? Now let me do something. Don't raise your hand, but just let's just do this in our head, okay? If I said raise your hand, don't raise your hand. But if I said, if I said, because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if I said raise your hand if you're a child of God, okay, in your mind, you raising it? In your mind, you raising it? All right, put them down. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're being led by his spirit daily. Okay, in your mind, raise it or not. Now put them down. Those should have been the same group of people. Do you hear me? See, we've sort of come up with in our own mind, there could be a distinction. I could be a child of God, but I may or may not be walking with God. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The Bible does leave room for a Christian who is out of right fellowship with God. And many of us have been in that place in our lives, right? But that is an oddity. That is an exception. What God expects is if he really has planted his spirit in your heart, there should be... Listen, I'm not talking about perfection... We all struggle, right? We all blow it. That's why we need Jesus to be the one to fulfill everything because we can't. Okay, so it's not a matter of of us getting it all right. But I'm just saying, is the trajectory of your life going in a way that more and more you are doing what God is leading you to do? And let me just say this. If you're not, right now God is speaking to you about that, isn't he? You don't feel good about it, right? Right? Now, don't let the enemy shame you with that. That's not the direction God's going. But let it stir you. All right, then. All right, then. This is not right. The Spirit of God speaking to you, right? Robbie, you know you're mine, but you know you're often not listening to me. I want to change that, Robbie. Amen? Amen? That's not Robbie's voice. That's the Spirit of God. I want to change that, Robbie. And Robbie should say What? Yes, Lord, I'm listening. If you will show me, I receive that. If you will show me, I will follow you, Lord, with your help. Amen? Pastor Matt touched a lot on what it means, what it looks like to walk with the Lord daily. Let's just kind of review that teaching in this scripture a little bit. Write these things down. Do you sense God working in your life? Now, Pastor Matt talked about that in terms of there's some mystery to God speaking to us. We're not always 100% clear, was that God or not, right? But do you sense, even right now as I say that, as I just said, some of you, God is speaking in your heart saying, listen to him, he's telling you what I'm saying. Amen? Amen. Do you sense that? There's something stirring in your spirit that this teaching is right. You sense that. Do you see God clearly working in your life? Pastor Matt talked about that. What is the best way we can know God speaking to us? You would make me very happy as a pastor if you answer this question correctly. what is the most clear way to hear from God accurately? His word. right? God I read a verse. Here's what and now the challenge is asking him to show me what it means, but as I come to understand, More and more what it means, God gives me His direction. Are you more and more understanding and growing in understanding what God wants you to do? And then do you submit to God working in your life? As He speaks to you, do you respond to that? Earlier this week, Pastor Matt and I were at a place for lunch. And as we were talking, we were talking about some things of the Lord. And as we were talking... There was a lady, we were actually trying to whisper so it wouldn't bother anybody, but there was a lady that kept doing this. (laughs) So I didn't even tell Matt until it was over. I just, I have pretty good peripheral vision, so I was just talking to him, and and I just noticed she kept, and she actually literally looked at us several times, and so I was just praying for her. I was just praying, God, would you be working in her life? And Lord, um, I'm trying to have a meeting with Matt here, and we're having a good conversation, but but, but do you want me to say something to that lady? Amen? So I was trying to submit as he clarified. Now, I don't know what his will was exactly because it just never materialized. I was open to that. And so when she left, I told Matt, I said, just pray for that lady because I really believe God was speaking to her for some reason. And who knows? We might meet her in heaven a million years from Today. And she said, Hey, I was the lady at Panera. Thanks for praying for me. Amen? Won't that be awesome? It's so much fun to walk with the Lord, isn't it? You know, we, we tend to think of people as being spiritual because they're religiously inclined or to go to church a lot. If you really think about it, being spiritual, and I don't want us to start calling ourselves spiritual. But I because mean, that ain't the right direction to go. But I'm just saying, if I want God to speak to me about am I really a very spiritual person, it means that the Spirit of God is working in me and I respond to Him. Right? That would be a spiritual person. The Spirit of God works in you. It's not that you read your Bible a lot. It's not that you go to church a lot. It's that God works in your life and you let Him. The last thing is this. We've we've really touched on it. But the Bible tells us that the Spirit gives us freedom and joy. Look at verses 15 to 17. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, you ought to say praise the Lord, especially those of us who really got in a mess before Christ. You have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, like you used to live, but you've received a spirit of adoption, adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba. Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we are heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we also may be glorified with Him. We spoke about the life-giving role of the, the Holy Spirit and how that's very positive and uplifting. But here in these verses, it tells us very specifically about the freedom that God gives, the joy that God brings to our lives through that life that is in us. Write these down. We are free from bondage. You have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Listen, life before God... Before God, by His grace, came and lived in my heart, was slavery. And it was fearful. Some of you very religiously went to church trying your best to please God, right? Religion is slavery, it's bondage. But now I have the Spirit of God. I don't do that anymore. I'm free from bondage. And then He talks about something specific that we're free from we're free from sin. I'm free from three things. Write these down. It's not in your notes, write them down. I'm free from the penalty of sin. I'm free from the power of sin. And I'm free from the presence of sin one day. So I'm free from the penalty. I have been, this is, you could call this past, present, and future. I have been freed from the penalty of my sins by Christ. When I accepted him as my Savior. Now, this daily walk, I can more and more be freed from the power of sin. I will never be sinless, but I can sin less. And the less sin I have in my life, the less power it has over me. Praise His name. I want to be free. I don't want to die. Amen? I told y'all that before. I don't want to die. Next time you want to sin, just think, I don't want to die. I'm serious. If they put arsenic in the chocolate cake, it's not tempting. Amen? Amen? I mean, man, that chocolate smell. I don't care. I can smell it. I do not care. Throw it out. That stuff will kill you. I don't care how good it smells. Amen? And then one day we'll be free from the presence of sin. We have a sense of belonging. Some of the worst things about sin and death, the enemy loves to isolate us, to make us lonely. I read a book, actually. Hannah had a book, and I read, she went somewhere, and I just picked up her book. It was a, Man, if you've never read Elizabeth Elliot, wow. Wow, she's one of the best writers God has ever raised up. Man, she wrote a book about loneliness. Wow, it's a powerful thing. And God can redeem it, but that's one of the tools that the enemy uses in our lives to get us by ourselves. If you're a child of God, friends, you are part of the family of God. And I hope that this church is looking like it. We're growing, we're working on it, but I hope you sense I'm part of something. I got some people, amen, that help me. We experience a closeness to God. We now do not, we call him Abba Father. That was a very intimate Hebrew Aramaic term. Many people have translated that dear daddy. And you say, oh, whoa, wait, should we talk to God like that? Certainly he is our father. Amen? We respect him greatly. But there is also an element, I hope my kids, when they were little, this was kind of a a parameter for me to see if I was doing a good job. Do they respect me? But will they still climb up in my lap? See what I mean? It needs to be both, doesn't it? There needs to be respect for who he is, but he's our dear daddy, amen? That, that, that term is used three times in the New Testament. Someone said no term serves better than this one to qualify the warm personal relationship to God which grace has made possible. It is the opposite of the spirit of slavery with its cringing fear, which characterizes all dead, legalistic, man-made religion. I have a heavenly father. He is my dear daddy. I thank God he gave me a good daddy. And every time I think about my dad, I just think about, wow, God, you're like him. Plus, Wow. If you've got a great dad praise God for him but if you don't you have a dear daddy in heaven that your good dad was supposed to reflect anyway so if he didn't just skip over that if that didn't work out not disrespectful but just skip over that expectation and just go to the one he was supposed to represent amen we receive affirmation when we're children of God the spirit affirms it in our heart two times in this passage it says that what joy that brings Even on days when I'm struggling, God says to me, Robbie, you know you're mine. You know you're my son. I'm such a jerk. Here I go again. Why can't I get this right? When am I ever going to learn? Lord, am I really a believer? Am I really a follower of yours? Robbie, look, okay, buddy, just settle down. All right, listen. That's just a bunch of smoke and noise. Let's deal with the issues. but, But as far as child, you're my son. I know, Lord, I'm sorry. I just kind of got a little tizzy. Amen? Aren't you glad the Spirit of God affirms? Even on days I'm not sure I believe it. God says, Robbie, listen. Just settle down. You know I'm in your heart. And then we have the promise of good to come. We are heirs with Him. Remember what I said? The best is yet to come. We are heirs. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, I do want to mention there is a hint of the challenges we face. And there is a hint of suffering here in verse 17. We're going to talk about that later in this series. But right now I want to focus on the positive part. When we give our lives to Jesus, the Spirit of God comes and does His work in our lives and gives us a better experience of a relationship with God. He grows us in so many ways. And one of the ways that He grows us is that we experience freedom and joy. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And I want us to think about what we've learned together today from God's Word. The Spirit of God is at work right now in this place. It's not a matter of if God wants to work. It's a matter of will we allow Him to. Now we're going to talk about this later in the series about hindrances to the Spirit. But assuming right now that your heart is open the Spirit brings life. If you're struggling right now to respond to God would you get angry that there's an enemy who's trying to fool you? He doesn't want you to experience life. So he's trying to deceive you He's trying to distract you. He's trying to discourage you. There's a real moment, I think, in our lives when we, 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 our eyes are open and we say, wait a second. I've been listening to garbage from the enemy. And even though it's difficult for me to believe sometimes, I'm going to trust God. I want life. We're life people. God is alive in alive in us. We have, if you're a child of God, you have eternal life. Will you receive that right now? You might be struggling. You might be you might be bobbing in the ocean of life and you just think I'm about to go down. No, I'm a life person. I'm not a death person. I'm not receiving death. I'm not receiving death for my family. I'm not receiving death for my career. I'm not receiving death for my life. We are life people. The spirit of life lives in me. There's life somewhere in this mix. And God, in His timing, I believe is going to show me. Will you receive that right now? If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, friend, God wants to give you life that lasts forever. And He will never take it away from you. If you trust him right now, if you will say, dear Jesus, would you, would you just say in your heart, dear Jesus, I believe, I believe you gave your life for me. I believe you rose again and that you have power to offer eternal life. And I accept that gift right now. I want to be a child of God. I want to have spiritual life. Thank you, God, for saving me. Lord, what, a, what an amazing thing. One of those young ladies last weekend shared that during a service like this, she prayed and accepted Jesus. I pray that there's another teenager right now who's making that decision. I pray, Lord, that somebody that's been thinking about, Lord, whether they were going to give their life to you right now, is making that decision. I I believe, God. I receive your gift. And, Lord, this room is full of people who know you. The enemy knows he's lost the war, but he wants to win all the battles he can between now and the end. God, I pray that we would get upset about that. We've been accepting too little. God has more for us. Lord, our church has been accepting too little. God has more for us. Help us, God. Help us to listen and to respond to you. Would this be a place that you have freedom to move, God? That we would not block what you're saying to our hearts. Lord, if we won't do it for ourselves, will we do it for a world who needs you? There's a whole world that needs to see a living God. Help us not to be so selfish. Help us to want you to grow us in joy and freedom and life because we want others to see Christ through us. And then when those opportunities come, help us to share life in a clear and meaningful way. Father, maybe somebody needs to be baptized. Maybe somebody needs to take another step on that spiritual journey that we talk about so often to become a part of our church family, to step into some ministry. God, we're praying next weekend that you're going to call missionaries out of New Hope Church. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity right now. In Jesus' name, amen.